Welcome and thanks for joining us. My name is Sam Anwar Sesha, Director of the Museum of Colour and your host for this series, My Words Donations. As part of the My Words exhibition at the Museum of Colour, we have invited a number of poets to donate objects to our digital collection. These are items that have a real significance to them and their creative journeys. This series is a chance to hear the stories behind those donations. And coming up, we'll be talking with Sue Andy. My name's Sue Andy. I am a poet and I'm also the cultural director of National Black Arts Alliance. And that's freelance, which means I don't actually get paid. I've worked in the arts for a long time and I'll take on any kind of art-related work, so narratives for galleries, I've just finished producing a series of five short films, anything really. I just love being in the arts. So, hi Sue Andy, how would you describe your work? Because I think of you as a poet. I've always said that I wanted my poetry to sound like I'm having a chat with one person in the audience. And because being part Nigerian and Liverpoolian, we're talkers, almost over the fence conversation. I like to write in voices. I don't write descriptive work. So every voice I envisage, whether I'm successful or not, is for the audience to decide to be a different character. And I did that because years ago I had a poem about a white woman who gets a perfect suntan, so good that she gets arrested and goes into prison. And while she's in prison, the suntan fades and they help her appeal and she gets free. And the end of the piece, she says, you know, it's better to be orange with a suntan than to end up like an N-word in the can. And I'm mixed race. So I was really stunned when people were saying to me, so is that your poem? So I had to do it in a stereotypical white woman's voice. And that led me into more character-based poetry. So, Sue Andy, you talk about your poetry being character-led. Where do you get those characters from? Are you an avid people watcher? Do they come out of your imagination? Is it a combination? Where, where do these characters come from? All of that. I'm a listener in. I might hear a phrase. I might read a phrase in the book. I always reference. But yes, I like to listen in. I'd like to think I can do accents, but I can't. But I do try and do them. I've got one. So it's about a woman getting a smear test and being told she's menopause and she's very young. I mean, I used to do it in a Scottish accent and I did it once with a Scottish poet who said to me afterwards, that's the worst Scottish accent I've ever heard. (laughs) And it might well be, but for the audience on my own as a black woman, it worked. And what I want them to know, it wasn't a black woman's experience. It was anybody's experience, you know? So can I ask what made you choose the Scottish accent in the first place? Just to be completely different. And the opening line, it says something like, See here, that man's got the smallest eyes in creation. So I I must have heard that being said. Mm. So that fed it. Mm. Okay. So thinking back to when you first started to write poetry, when did you know yourself to be a poet? Wow, that's really hard to answer. Because obviously I didn't call myself a poet for ages. When I started locally, the boys, the boys are... My brother's peers used to say to me, well, you're good, but assassin, my brother, was better. He had a way with words. So I suppose that was quite a difficult hurdle to get over. 
Do you know what? I think it is when you see other people copying you. When you go and watch people and think, oh, actually, they're doing what I do. And I think that began the journey. What I did know at the beginning was I didn't want to explain the poem. You know, people get up and say, the next poem I'm going to read is about blah, 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 blah. And I think the poem speaks for itself. Well, it didn't because you just explained it. So my style is to begin talking and then just to walk straight into the poem. So the audience takes a moment to realise the change of space, the change of rhythm. But I can't say when. So where did your love for words come from? Were you surrounded by words at home? Was there poetry at home? Where did that desire to play with words come from? Well, we weren't surrounded by books, definitely. And I didn't love poetry because an English teacher used to make me read parts of poems out. And if there was a male and female voice, she would make a man called Robert Harvey read the male part. I'm the only black kid in my school. He hated that. And I can remember he came to a performance I was in at the Royal Exchange and I spotted him and recognised him. And I went round and I said, are you Robert Harvey? And he went, no, and walked away. So I wasn't in love with poetry. And, you know, we did Keats, Ode to a Grecian Urn, Ode to Melancholy. We dissected it. We went round it. The guy was fed up. We wrote Ode to Melancholy. I wrote, I suppose what in time became the story of him. I wrote like a memoir, The Life of My Mum When She Died, because I have no grandparents. And I thought, if I hook a guy and get some kids, I want them to know the family. I sent it off to the publishers, one copy, the only copy I had, Thank God they sent it back. And he said there wasn't enough racism in it. What? I then got advised to send it to book reading clubs, one which was at Culture Word. And a job came up and I applied for it. The Black Woman's Development Worker. Lem was reading an identity workshop at the time. And there was a bit of fallout between the men and the women. And I went with the women who decided to form their own poetry group. And we became Black Scribe. I'm still working with Lem, who really became my mentor. And I remember thinking at the beginning, I'll just go out with these women. I won't read. I won't do anything. And in fact, I did a fashion show for them at a book launch, which was really just A4 papers stapled together. And I watched them get paid, perhaps their bus fare. And I thought, wow, you can get paid for talking. Well, I can definitely talk. I started writing. I wasn't moved to be a poet, do you know what I mean? I just thought, wow, I I could do that. And I trained as a dancer, so I knew how to be on stage. And it took time till I realised the power of being in that position, that you can not lecture an audience, but you can take an audience on a journey. They might not like the journey, but there's a certain power. And it really woke me up to be a black woman politically. It really was the beginning of the journey. Before that, I'd been a dress. I got a dress every Saturday. I went to the clubs. I came home, my mother used to hit me around the head, not literally, and say, wake up. I think you're beautiful. The world's not going to think you're beautiful. Get wise. And the arts woke me up. I knew what racism was, but poor, you literally learn what it is when you're in the arts. Yeah. It's a real awakening call. The patronisation, the marginalisation, all those words hit you in the face when you join the arts. So the stage the gallery, wherever. It's our voice to speak for ourselves and for our people. You say the arts woke you up and given the dialogue around that term woke, it is beautiful to hear it used in that context. 
and so completely honestly and authentically. And it sounds as if essentially it gave you a sense of yourself and a sense of your own power. So we've asked you to donate two objects to the Museum of Colour, but we're interested in your relationship with museums and how does it feel to be included in one? It's about time. Not for me as the individual, but for we as people, it's about time. So, yeah, bravo, well done, let's go for it. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, that's how you feel about Museum of Colour. Yeah. How do you feel about other museums? Oh, girl... Well, they're getting better. I always say, you know, you go into a museum and you'll see this little blob of something and it'll say Saxon, Anglo, blah, 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 14th century. It's a blob. It's a blob of something. And then you go further into the room and you find a really intricate, maybe carving or gold, just so beautiful. And it say, found in West Africa. No details. So that's my view of museums. As a child, there were places I hated to go into because I knew that it made my people look primitive, only primitive. So dry places, but getting better. I've got to give them that, getting much better. Getting better. Okay, we'll we'll definitely take that. So let's get to your donations. Tell us about your first donation. What does it mean to you and why do you want to share it? My first donation is my OBE. And the reason it's my OBE is because when I got it, and I've told this story lots of times, my friend Scotty, who is English, sent me a card that said, Outstanding Black Example. And I thought, oh, that's really nice. My friend Pavinda, who's Ugandan-Asian, sent me a card that said, Other Buggers' Efforts. And that's the one I embrace more. Oh. Because nothing you achieve, you achieve on your own. And... For me, that's really important to remember that. Even, you know, if I get a booking, I always ask who recommended me because I always think there's someone to thank. Yeah, you do the sweat and the toilet, obviously on your own, but actually the journey you take, you take supported by other people. So that's why I'd like to donate that one. There was controversy when I got it. Somebody who I shall not name said I shouldn't have accepted it, but everybody to their own. I accept it because my father would have been so proud. He fought in the war. He was a prisoner of the war. So I accepted it. And I think I was one of the first black poets to get an OBE. And every year I look at the awards and I always congratulate people, our people who have got the award as well. Oh, that's beautiful. Thank you. So what is your second object? My second donation is a book. And the book is called Strength of Our Mothers. A few years ago, I did a history book called Afro Solo UK. I totally respect the fight that the Windrush people are fighting. But I disagree that that dateline has become the date when black people started to come to England. Africans came before. So I want to document Africans who came to the UK from 1925 to 1960s. The plan was to interview 12 families, either the families or the fathers, if they were still alive. And I think I did 32 in the end. I had to say, stop, stop. We are all mixed race from that generation of migration. And everybody spoke of their mother, good, bad and indifferent. I have a show, The Story of M, that's now on the A-level curriculum about my mum. And I thought about it and I thought, do you know what? I need to do the mother's story. So I did Strength of Our Mothers. 
And the reaction to it, particularly we did a verbatim performance, was simply amazing. And I was at a funeral the other day, an African funeral, and there was a couple of women there and I went up and said, odd question, but are you mixed race? Yes. And I gave them a book and they were like, oh my God. Because any work that's been written about white women with black men has really been slightly derogatory or very derogatory, classifying them as prostitutes, fallen women. So Strength of Our Mothers embraces very different relationships. Again, good, bad and indifferent. So that's what I want to donate. And I want to encourage other people to do their own work because as with the Museum of Colour, we need to write our own history. Too often we're written about. So that's my second donation. So you talked about the desire to not have an established moment when black people were in this country and wanting to go back, not using the timeline that is foisted on us. How does your interest in history feed into your poetry? I think ordinary people. History is written by the few for the many. And like anybody else coming into the writing world and talking about black civil rights per se, we kind of always look to America. But we didn't realise that we had a fight for our civil rights in this country. So we had an America and then, of course, we had South Africa and all important, all important to get that those voices out. But our own voices are really important. And not to be downtrodden, not to write our voices in, in the sense of a victim, but to speak of our accomplishments as well and to speak of our splendour as well. So in this moment in time, I believe we are writing the history. I did a little video for a school the other day that said, um, tomorrow, today will be history. And in 24 hours, so will tomorrow. And I've just done this project with Manchester Metropolitan University about the Victorian commentator, I think that's the right word to call him, Ruskin. And we took five of his quotes and five black poets, including myself, gave a contemporary response. The quotes are all around Manchester. It's history's Cottonopolis with no mention of the slavery connection that we live in this city as black people. Some of us could probably direct link our family history to being enslaved people. And when we did the launch, so many people said to me, black people said to me afterwards, I didn't know they got 20 million plus in compensation, you know, the, the slave owners. But what people really don't know is, I think it was 1998 when that compensation was paid off by our taxes, our taxes. So poetry has a voice to write about that. And I think that's the link. I'm not saying I sit down and think I'm going to write something about history, but I think that's the the link I'm subconsciously trying to do, along with the occasional love poem. I love him, he doesn't love me, I'm crying, you know. Thank you for that. So we also asked you to donate one of your poems. Which poem did you select and why? The poem I've selected is called I'm Tired of Protesting Outside. The line is taken from, it was a documentary film about the feminist movement in the United States and the black character said that and I noted it down. I was later at a friend's house, a good friend, not black, this friend, and the Black Lives Matter movement had started and he said, with a kind of condescending way, and were you at the march? because he was. 
And I said, you know what? I'm tired of protesting outside. And then I wrote the poem. For me, the march was very important. For me, it would have been wonderful had it been just white people even. But I appreciate every white person turned up to that march. But do not judge me as a black woman. Because my protest is every day that I walk outside. I'm a walking protest. We all are. We represent. So that's why the poem. That makes sense. Completely. I'm tired of protesting outside. I want to be inside where it's warm and they're serving coffee with odd tasting sandwiches and biscuits single wrapped. You can throw your crumbs to the birds. I have taken to the streets so many times. My feet are blistered. Can I now stand by the lectern with a microphone instead of my mouth working like a megaphone? My lungs burn from inhaling the fumes of all this shit. I'd like to breathe in the air of power and exhale with reason. Tired of screaming my rights. It ain't right. I have signed so many petitions. My hand writes as I am sleeping. Now I click my support from one campaign to the next. And still I am outside, ostracised, to the inside where you gather to talk of me in hushed tones in case I am listening. We can't hear you at the back while you refuse to speak louder for fear your conspiracies will really spark a revolution. And I am armed, part of an army of many across the many hues of my people. You can keep on scheming. We will weep and bury our fallen. Pushed over and stomped on by you, generation after generation. But we see your fear, and what we cannot see, we smell. Just like equality, it's in the air, blowing closer and closer and closer and closer. Thank you to Sue Andy for being part of our exhibition and donating to the Museum of Colour. To view the donations photographed by Sharon Wallace and the portraits by Derek Akembo, head to www.museumofcolour.org.uk where you can explore the rest of the My Words exhibition and discover our growing digital collection. My Words Donations is presented by me, Samanwar Sesha, and is produced by Stella Sabin for the Museum of Colour. Further episodes of this series are available across all podcast platforms where you can also listen to our previous project, Respect Due. The music you have heard in this series is by the fabulous Randolph Matthews. You can listen to more of his work at www.randolphmatthews.com. My Words is supported by the National Lottery Heritage Fund, Arts Council England and the Foyle Foundation. Museum of Colour is incubated at People's Palace Projects, based at Queen Mary University, London. Thank you for listening. <laughs>